For more than two decades, competitive electricity markets and independent power generators have unlocked savings for consumers, enhanced reliability, improved our environment, and unleashed energy innovation. But key questions must be addressed to ensure that these benefits continue to advance the energy transition. This is Energy Solutions, a podcast from the Electric Power Supply Association, where we unpack the stories and trends behind America's changing electric grid. I'm your host, Todd Snitchler, EPSA's president and CEO. Next week, EPSA will host a day-long summit at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. to discuss critical issues facing competitive power today and what it means for America's energy future. Today, I'll be talking with our staff who are moderating panels at the event to get a preview of what attendees can expect and to dig into the issues a bit. If you haven't yet, go to www.epsa.org to register. The day is packed with more than 20 speakers from throughout the competitive power sector and the industries and interests impacted by electric supply and pricing. Panels will cover how competitive power markets and the companies that participate in them impact the reliable delivery of electricity, innovation in power resources, decarbonization, and consumers in the economy. We'll also cover how markets can be designed to meet the needs of a changing grid and new and existing priorities. The day will also feature keynote remarks from Pat Wood, who joined us on last month's episode. Pat is known to many as the father of competitive electricity markets. He led Texas's adoption of a competitive market when he chaired the state's Public Utility Commission and went on to chair the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, where he was a key player in expanding competition and the development of regional transmission organizations. First, we'll have Nancy Baggett, EPSA's Senior Vice President. Nancy's quite an expert on power issues in her own right, having joined EPSA in 2002 after more than a decade working in other energy positions. She's represented the interests of the energy industry before the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and other federal entities, focusing on electricity markets, natural gas, and general policy. She's also served as chair and member of a committee on the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America, as a member of the Keystone Dialogue on Natural Gas and Cleaner Power, and as a board member of the Interstate Pipeline Regulatory Committee. Nancy will be moderating a panel focused on addressing reliability in a changing grid. The tragic and extensive power outages in Texas last winter, along with the summer resource challenges in California and other US states, highlight the importance of a demonstrable commitment to power system reliability. This panel will dig into questions such as, are competitive markets up to the challenge? What practical considerations must be taken? and what is needed to ensure America's energy transition is reliable and sustainable. Well, my panel is opening the day with uh, to address reliability issues, um, issues that have always been job one for the electricity markets. But we're going to look at some of the new pressures or whether or not they really are new pressures. But there's a lot of discussion about um, changes in extreme weather events mm -hmm. and how they impact the system. And we have some recent examples that, from which we've learned and, um, you know, which may inform the types of weather events we're looking at in the future. And then also the changing resource mix. So, you know, the question really is how much impact do those two things have reliability? And then how can the markets best respond to them? Um, and so in order to do that, we have a fantastic panel of sort of the preeminent minds on this, in my view, certainly, because um, we, we're going to we'll start out with Jim Robb, who is CEO and president at NERT, 
who can really talk about the specifics about reliability. So at the federal level and also at the regional level, because there are regional entities that look into it. And it is how NERC does their assessment of sort of the long-term reliability outlook. Um, it's really on a regional level because of the differences in you know, resources, weather patterns, et cetera. So, I mean, I think he'll set us up with that. They, as you can imagine, um, they've done a lot of work with FERC and their regional entities um, to assess sort of what happened in Storm Uri last winter um, and sort of what lessons we can take from that and how it might inform things going forward. I think kind of a threshold question for all of our speakers will be how how differently we may need to look at reliability. You know, as I mentioned, it has always been and will be job one. So we have, so a lot of attention has been paid. NERC, uh, for that reason, develops um, performance related standards, which really allows different types of market mechanisms to achieve the reliability goals needed to keep the system, um, you know, working and resilient. Uh, so then the rest of the panel, I think, will be able to get into how different pieces of the system really work on that. Um, Manu Astana, who is the CEO and president of PJM, uh, is going to be speaking and he can address, you know, how the largest regional market, in fact, you know, covering 13 states and, and D.C., um, is able to sort of ensure a reliable system over such a vast regional area, mm-hmm. but also with, with a lot of differences within its region, both as to loads, where resources are available, um, and, you know, some differences probably across states. And um, Manu was going to be able to get into the kinds of market mechanisms that may be creating concerns or barriers to achieving reliability now, and also whether there, you know, there are clear market mechanisms uh, that either need to be reformed or actually developed in order to um, facilitate a more reliable system. Uh, and then Thad Hill, who is CEO and president, this is a very austere panel, as you can tell, uh, from Calpine, will be able to talk about how a project developer works within those markets to get the signals needed um, for how best to invest in, a rel- in reliable resources that participate in that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, I think, also would be able to talk to, um, you know, wh- whether there are market mechanisms in particular regions that are uh, uh, either very helpful or perhaps creating barriers, unintended barriers, as things have changed or evolved a bit. And so he'll be able to talk from an investor's perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got Devin Hartman, uh, who is policy director and a senior fellow on energy and environmental policy issues at R Street Institute, uh, who has spent a lot of times, a lot of time looking into competitive markets and consumer choice. So that's really retail choice um, and how they do offer the best approaches to achieve sort of all of the goals of, uh, that the markets strive for, uh, including reliability. And he has done some you know, specific work on how a competitive market model is different from and better than, in many cases, the um, historically vertically integrated sort of IRP approach. And additionally, in his background, uh, he worked at Elcon and uh, was at NERC representing end-use customers. Yep. So we sort of really can sort of cover the 
the, the entire system from, you know, end use all the way up to the, uh, to NERC as the um, regulator of the system reliability overall. What do you think attendees at the Competitive Power Summit, why, why should they care about this panel or the contents of the discussion that you're going to lead with these great panelists? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as I, as I had mentioned previously, that the actual impact that some of the um, changing pressures and factors will have on reliability is sort of a core issue we we need to really um, mm -hmm. dig down into. And, you know, there, there's a lot of speculation. Um, speculation is not always on point mm -hmm. uh, and, and isn't always um, within the context of reality, yeah. both, as, both as to the changes that are going to occur and what may need to be done to address those changes or what might be done that creates changes, unexpected changes even. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then within that, within understanding what really is going to impact reliability or what we're really looking ahead to, um, there's also a lot of debate currently over what is the best model? What's the best model to achieve reliability with um, not only the pressures we've been talking about in terms of weather and the resource changeover, but the resource changeover, which, you know, is um, in part... Uh, focused on achieving a cleaner system. Yeah. Uh, and that is absolutely one of the um, factors here. So we, we, we want to sort of get down to, you know, what's really going on and, and look at these market mechanisms and have sort of a very frank discussion about it. So we're, we're hoping this is very conversational and we can really sort of get down into the nitty gritty about um, market mechanisms, what works and what doesn't, what's achievable, what's, what's a realistic timeline, mm -hmm. um, and try and get past some of the rhetoric. So let me try to put a bow on all that by asking you, in the end, what is it you hope will come out of your panel discussion? What should either attendees or people who are covering the event or want to know about reliability, what is the one or two things you're hoping they can take away from this as action items or things to really focus on as we look ahead? Yeah. Um, I would hope that we, uh, that we gain, we gain the ability to focus on sort of achievable and reasonable market reforms or improvements or developments that address what is really happening or expected to happen uh, related to reliability. Um, it's, you know, reliability is just one piece of this. Uh, you yeah. know, there's affordability, um, there's ensuring service, you know, for all. So there are a lot of issues at play here. So we will focus on the reliability piece of it. Uh, and I think there may be some market mechanisms that are specifically designed at that goal, um, but they, they, they will be within the broader um, market, competitive market context, which yeah. really is what the whole rest of the day will be about. You know, it's interesting that you frame it that way because it puts a nice bookend. You will be the opening panel talking about reliability and some of the tools to achieve it. And I have the privilege of being the last, or well, privilege or curse of being the last moderator of the last panel of the day where we're gonna talk about market design. And where are we now and where are we headed? So I'm going to preempt your first question and tell you, you uh, we have a great panel uh, with uh, five fantastic panelists who are really thought leaders on the subject itself, who can help us do a little bit of a where have we come from, where are we now, 
and what are some of the things that we ought to be thinking about as we go forward? And so uh, Dr. Bill Hogan from Harvard, of course, everyone knows Dr. Hogan, will kind of lay some of the groundwork for, you all remember why we did this market thing and how it is supposed to function and what the economic modeling tells us about how uh, markets should be designed to achieve peak outcomes. And then we're gonna hear from Travis Cabula, who is at NRG. Uh, and Travis is a former colleague of mine as a state regulator, state chairman for Montana, now at NRG, as I mentioned. And Travis is going to talk about how state policies can perhaps enable a thoughtful market evolution as we try to accommodate and work with states in market design in order to make sure the outcomes continue to allow market participants the opportunity to compete uh, while still helping states achieve their policy objectives. We're going to hear from Dr. Arnie Quinn from Vistra, and Arnie's going to talk a little bit about how FERC um, could approach and perhaps think about some of these issues in a more holistic way in an effort for market participants of all stripes uh, and all parts of the value chain to find a way to um, allow the markets to continue to deliver the 25 years of benefits that are clearly uh, demonstrable and uh, behind us. Then we're going to hear from Dr. Paul Sockwitz who is a former uh, lead economist at PJM and is now an independent consultant. And Paul's gonna talk a little bit about some of the ways that we can look at market design, I'll call them tweaks, but changes or amplifications, as you note, know, that you may address some of these at the first panel about how that may fit together. And then Dr. Emma Nicholson from FERC is going to talk with us a little bit about uh, some of the ways that FERC is already considering and working on these, of course, being mindful of all of the appropriate ex parte rules. Uh, but uh, Emma has made it clear that there's some comments that she can offer around how, or how FERC can be thinking about some of these issues in a way that would allow all participants to try and continue to advance and evolving design if that's what's required. Think about the tools that will be needed, as you mentioned in your panel, and then how we put those together in a way that ensures reliability, ensures the right resources remain part of the mix in order to ensure that reliability while we look at what the next 10, 20, 30 years of an evolving and changing grid looks like. So I think that will hopefully hold people's attention through the end of the day. It's gonna be a, a great day, a long day, uh, but a lot of great speakers and presenters who are going to deliver information that I think is useful for not just the competitive sector, but for the broader industry overall. Uh, coming at the end of the day, what do, you, what do you expect your panel to sort of offer the audience to leave after, you know, five panels where they're going to get a lot of information and then you guys are capping it off? Um, how do you think your panel is going sort of to arm the audience to leave the summit, uh, knowing a lot about what to look forward to, <laughs> what to look ahead to. Yeah, I think our objective uh, at the end of the panel is to provide the appropriate context for thinking about looking forward. It's to identify some of the ways where there've been perhaps some gaps or some weaknesses uh, that we have not uh, leveraged the market participants to be able to think more broadly about ensuring reliability with a proper market design that will ensure revenues are delivered to participants that need them in order to operate. And that's of all stripes. Um, and then I think my hope is that it really facilitates a broader, meaningful, rational discussion around the issues, perhaps a little less yelling about my position is right or your position is wrong and a more thoughtful dialogue around 
how we can think collectively about achieving the objective of lower emissions, affordability, but first and foremost, reliability of the electric power grid as we go forward. At its core, we're trying to do a couple of things. The first of which is to remind people of the importance of reliability, but also to really demonstrate and educate folks who either already know or maybe aren't as familiar that markets and competition have delivered these great outcomes for the last 25 years and ensuring that we continue to use markets in an appropriate way to deliver that same affordability, reliability and emissions reductions as we go forward is really the path to success at lower cost than reverting to a more traditional form of regulation, which some have suggested is the appropriate approach. We don't wanna backtrack. We wanna find the tools and the pieces that are working well. And as I like to say, double down on those and encourage even more deployment of market forces and competition to deliver reliability, affordability and environmental outcomes that are good for groups across the entire spectrum, residential, commercial, industrial, disadvantaged communities, everyone benefits when competition is properly designed and markets function in a way that delivers those results. One of the key benefits of competition is its ability to spur innovation. Competitive power markets ushered in a rapid transition to natural gas generation and renewable deployment. From the world's largest battery storage projects to electric vehicle charging, what are some of the innovative projects recently developed or in development in competitive markets? How does competition incentivize and facilitate the innovative technologies needed to meet the future? And what barriers remain? These are some of the questions that Bill Zaretti, EPSA's Director of Regulatory Affairs and Council, will cover in his panel, Innovation in Competitive Markets. Here's Bill to share more. We've got Sherman Knight, who's the President and Chief Commercial Officer of Competitive Power Ventures, or CPV, as we commonly refer to them. Uh, you know, they're a, an active developer, and they've done everything from, uh, you know, they've got a, a new sort of world-class uh, gas plant uh, in the works right now. Uh, and additionally, they're engaged uh, in the renewable space. We've got Nathan Hansen, who's president of LS Power Generation. LS is active on many fronts, uh, renewables, storage. They've got uh, you know, a heavy hand in uh, transmission development uh, and in a number of other spaces. We've got Kevin Smith, president of Tenasca Power Services Company. T Tenasca, like LS, involved in a lot of different spaces, uh, you know, also a developer of renewables. Uh, they had a, a gas plant come online uh, in Pennsylvania a couple years back. Uh, you know, they've and they've partnered uh, to to bring some innovative projects to market uh, across the country. So, uh, and then lastly, we have Kurt Morgan. Uh, he's this Kurt is the CEO of Vistra Corp. Vistra is one of the largest power generators in the United States. And Vistra is our public company uh, representative uh, on the panel. Uh, they're involved in uh, a number uh, of innovative projects, and they own everything from renewables to storage to gas uh, uh, to nuclear. Great. So, Bill, why should this issue matter for consumers, or how did, really how does this impact the energy transition when we think about how innovation fits into the the forward-looking energy uh, generation fleet? 
Well, I always call back to that, you know, that we are where we are today, largely due to the sort of rapid transition that uh, was led by competitive markets. You know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, you know, American energy was uh, electricity was generated uh, predominantly by coal. And it was competitive markets that led the aggressive fuel switch uh, to natural gas. And that was based on economic incentives. And, you know, markets are, are great at sort of driving uh, change where it's needed and identifying uh, opportunity for investment. And I, I see the, you know, the grid and, and transition right now being no different. Uh, you know, it may be a different mix of resources that we're talking about uh, bringing to market, uh, but markets are great at, at and, and market participants are great at, at finding those spaces that uh, are in need of investment and reading those signals and bringing resources that fit what the market consumers uh, and the grid need. Great, Bill, do us a favor and kind of let us peek behind the curtain a little bit. What are a couple of the questions you're thinking about asking the panelists to try and drive some of this discussion around innovation and how it fits in today's marketplace? Absolutely, as I mentioned, you know, market signals uh, are, are, are critical and, and first and foremost, I would ask, uh, what are the signals that these folks are are seeing? Uh, you know, what what are what right now is the is the market telling them? Uh, you know, is is necessary in terms of investment? What what technologies uh, does does the grid need? Uh, and is the market sending the the correct signals to to bring that to bear? Um, you know, it also ask are are you seeing similar signals uh, from investors? What's their appetite? What are the, are they looking to see uh, you develop? You know, so that's sort of the, the the starting point to all of this. But you know, I would also say, how is policy driving that? You know, is is policy matching up with what the the market and consumers and investors need? Uh, and if if not, how can that change? How have recent decisions, uh, for better or worse, impacted your ability, appetite, um, and you know, sort of, have they given you the certainty that you need? Uh, to make long-term investments, and you know, it, with our folks, they're all independent power producers, and you know, they they have no guaranteed rate return, as as you well know. So, uh, you know, certainty is critical to them because uh, when they put that money at risk, it's only investors that bear the downside. There's no, uh, you know, consumers will never be on the hook, which is one of the uh, you know sort of great benefits in in my mind uh, of these competitive markets. But it also makes uh, you know, sort of being able to see the field ahead of you all the more critical because uh, absent that, it, it makes it tough to put billions of dollars at risk. Sure. Thanks, Bill. It sounds like you're going to cover a, a lot of ground. I hope that there'll be some conversation around the regional uh, variations between where companies are investing uh, and so that we can kind of see that there isn't maybe a one-size-fits-all uh, approach to this, but that there is a regional variation that probably needs to be contemplated by policymakers. Certainly, and, and I think if you look at different regions, uh, you know the companies are in, engaged in, in different products because the the regions and their grid operators or policymakers have identified different needs and priorities. And uh, you know, I think our folks generally, if you know, while they might have their own opinions and views about how things should go, at the end of the day, they're they're going to follow the incentives, they're going to follow the money, and the, you know, they're they're owners, operators, developers, and, and they, they want to do that uh, and, and continue to do that and, and, and grow in doing that. Great. Well, thanks, Bill. We look forward to a great conversation with you and your panel. Absolutely. I look forward to it as well. 
With policymakers from the states to Capitol Hill and the White House implementing ambitious decarbonization goals, how can market-based strategies deliver substantial and cost-effective emissions reductions? And what will support a just and reliable transition? EPSA has advocated for market-based policies like carbon pricing that put the focus on reducing emissions and allow all technologies to compete to provide the most impact at the least cost, while ensuring that reliability is not jeopardized. EPSA's Senior Director of Policy Strategy and Government Affairs, Brian George, will dig deeper into the topic with his panel, Advancing Decarbonization. Brian has worked extensively in organized wholesale power markets, particularly in the Eastern United States, focusing on market design issues, as well as issues regarding the interplay between federal and state energy policy. He served as an advisor to Federal Energy Regulatory Commissioner Rob Powelson, providing technical, economic, and policy advice to the commissioner, primarily on matters in the United States wholesale electricity markets. Thanks, Brian, for taking a minute to chat with me. What's your panel at the Competitive Power Summit about? Thanks, Todd. So uh, it's um, one of the more fascinating things that we're talking about these days, and it's around um, decarbonization and clean energy and how can we utilize competition to meet clean energy goals in an affordable, reliable, and sustainable manner. That sounds like a lot to cover in one panel. Can you tell us who the speakers are and what their role is in the industry? Yeah, so uh, we've got a great set of panelists, just like the rest of the panels, but um, this one in particular, we have some unique insight and um, you know, really kind of covering a lot of ground. We've got the CEO of the ISO New England, uh, Gordon Van Wheely, who can obviously provide um, you know, an on-the-ground perspective of how the RTOs themselves are managing this transition. Uh, but we also have two developers. Um, we've got Jill Davies from Shell uh, and Stephen Gallagher from Brookfield Renewables to talk about what is it that they're looking for when they're making investment decisions in these markets. Uh, and then two more, John Moore, the director of the Sustainable FERC Project uh, at NRDC. And then of course, our good friend, uh, Mr. Arnie Olson, who is a part, senior partner uh, at Energy and Environmental Economics. Fantastic. That sounds like a lot of information to be covered. So given that panel, Brian, what makes this panel worth attending? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of conversation in our industry over the past several years about the need to decarbonize or the need to incorporate clean energy resources. And, you know, from our perspective, we've seen that competitive power markets in particular, the RTOs and ISOs have done a far better job at integrating the resources necessary for reducing emissions, and most importantly, doing it in a reliable and affordable manner. So why should people come to this? Goals aren't changing. Um, states and private entities are continuing to develop aggressive decarbonization and clean energy goals. We want to talk about how we can achieve those uh, affordably and reliably. And from our perspective, competitive markets are the way to do that. So we're gonna talk about how RTOs, how competitive markets, how private developers can really utilize competition to build the resources that we need to meet those goals. Again, reliably, affordably, and sustainably. So as the moderator of this panel, kind of give us a peek under the hood, if you will, about what you're most interested in hearing from the panelists. What, what are some of the things that you're gonna be asking about uh, and then how do you think this will help advance the conversation as we go forward? Yeah, so, so to start, you know, we've talked a lot about 
the demand for more clean energy. But I think what's often not talked about is, you know, with electrification on the horizon, we're talking about more demand for energy, period. So, you know, we've got demand for more electricity, we've got demand for more clean energy. So, you know, what I'm really interested in hearing is, you know, particularly from the RTO perspective, given this increasing level of demand and given the increasing demand for clean energy, how are we going to reliably operate the system given the challenges that we know are inherent with certain resources? And that, again, is not a knock on any particular resource. It's just the physics of the system. So I want to talk about how, you know, we can address some of those challenges head on. Um, but then I think, you know, transition that to, you know, what is the most effective way to incentivize the private development of these clean energy resources and what can markets do to drive that development? Uh, I think those are the key areas that I'd like to cover uh, on the panel. Yeah, this sounds a lot like a both and not an either or conversation, which exactly. I think will be really helpful. So thanks, Brian. Look forward to your panel. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to believe it's less than a week away, but uh, we'll see you all soon. Last but certainly not least, EPSA's Sharon Royka Theodore will dig into the economic and consumer impacts of competitive power markets with her panel, Continued Consumer and Economic Benefits in a Just Transition. Energy prices and other economic concerns are top of mind for Americans right now, with 97% saying energy affordability is a priority for energy policy, according to a recent poll by Morning Consult done for EPSA. Sharon is Vice President of Regulatory Affairs at EPSA and has been with our organization since 2007. She works to promote continued development of competitive wholesale electricity markets through policy advocacy efforts at both the state and federal level, with a primary focus on the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and matters related to Eastern RTO and ISO regions. With competitive power markets having helped deliver historically low power prices, Sharon's panel asks, how do power generation costs impact consumers and other economic sectors, and what is needed to unlock greater economic benefits as the grid transitions? Can markets continue to mitigate cost impacts to consumers while efforts are underway to meet ambitious clean energy and decarbonization goals? How can competitive power developers manage ESG demands and respond to investor pressures while keeping prices low and reliability high? You know, historically, competitive power markets have helped deliver historically low prices. And, and so we really just want to talk as part of this panel about, you know, going forward, how um, power generation costs impact consumers and other economic sectors and what's needed to unlock um, greater economic benefits as the grid transitions and we move um, to, you know, implement um, clean um, energy goals at the, the federal and state level. Uh, we have a, um, a very diverse uh, panel of um, experts across the various, um, representing the range of consumer interests from the business, industrial, residential, and investor perspectives. And um, that includes uh, Marty Durbin, who's the Senior Vice President of Policy and President of the Global Energy Institute at the U.S. Chamber. And then we have Travis Fisher, who's the President and CEO 
at Elcon, David Springy, who's the president of the National Association of State Utility Consumer Advocates, so representing the residential perspective. And then um, also Naz um, Kumwala, who is a senior equity analyst at Millennium Management. And then we also have on the panel, um, Dr. Joseph Bowering, who is the president of Monitoring Analytic, Analytics and the Independent Market Monitor for PJM, Interconnection, the uh, nation's largest um, organized um, power market. So That sounds like quite a panel with a, a lot yes. of perspectives. And I think, as you know, the importance of having those multiple perspectives because of the impacts to the system as it evolves is going to be fundamentally important. So I think that's great. So as we look at that, what are you hoping to get out of this discussion? Or what are the things that you think will be most interesting for people to hear from the panelists as part of this conversation? A key point that EPSA always emphasizes in its ongoing advocacy supporting competitive power markets is the benefits to consumers, including through historically low power prices. And these panelists, just as collectively sort of the watchdogs for consumers, I think, you know, we, we try to work with these groups as part of our advocacy efforts wherever we can. But I do think we're going to hear probably some, some differing viewpoints from them on, on some of the, you know, issues and concerns um, that, that they're seeing from their um, unique um, position in, in, in the marketplace. But, you know, we would like to sort of tee up at this point in time, as we're emerging from the, the pandemic and we're facing inflation and you have all of these pressures sort of globally in, in Europe and um, we were already seeing sort of what was going on over there with high prices. You have all of these sort of external things happening that are interconnected, but at the end of the day, it's it's just you know bringing it back to um, competitive markets. What do they think needs to happen here on a national level to to move forward, even with all of these sort of major th pressures that are sort of a unique moment in time happening? Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing from them on just as the administration moves forward on implementing um, elements of the. Uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, how that factors in as we need to build out the transmission grid, how that all factors in to costs that we're seeing, and um, just other pressures as well when we see other types of investor pressure on sustainability and ESG. These are just a lot of things that sort of play into overall overall costs in, in the market potentially. And, you know, we see that going forward that markets are uh, the, the best way to provide um, a path to meet all, all these goals um, that we want to achieve with clean energy and managing affordability for consumers going forward. So again, you know, we're hoping to hear um, solutions and recommendations from this panel on, you know, what they, they would like to see. Great. Thanks, Sharon. I know we're all looking forward to it. Thank you.
At EPSA, we know competition provides the best foundation for delivering the energy future we all want. The issues discussed next week will help shed light on the path forward for competitive electricity and the thorny questions facing all those involved. We hope to see you at the Press Club in DC. And again, make sure to register at www.epsa.org. Even if you can't make it, keep following along with EPSA through this podcast by signing up for our newsletter and on our website at www.epsa.org. Thank you for listening to Energy Solutions. If you like this podcast, please share it on social media or with your coworkers, friends, and family. You can also connect with us on Twitter at EPSA News and on LinkedIn. And subscribe, follow, leave a rating or comment on Spotify, Pandora, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Energy Solutions is brought to you by the Electric Power Supply Association. EPSA represents America's competitive power suppliers, which bring about 150,000 megawatts of power generation resources to customers throughout the United States. Discover the power of competition at www.epsa.org.